Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Week one, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons will be the two starting inside linebackers. At least that is the expectation. And that's not us. That's both the GM and head coach. We ask why and weigh the risk versus the reward. But first, some first impressions of rookie minicamp. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 424, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So for the first time since 2019, there was a rookie minicamp at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Three days, MJ, though we got to watch only day one, and it was a brief watch on Friday, 25, 30 minutes. One, it felt good to be outside. The weather was perfect in Tempe, but what'd you see? Well, I got the chance to see players on the field um, wearing jerseys and helmets. Got a chance to see the coaching staff, uh, new wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson running some of his drills. You know, Kingsbury obviously is focused on the offense, but I thought he did a good job going to different groups. It was interesting because he only had two defensive linemen and two offensive linemen, and I'm I'm thinking – Okay, um, so they actually, no hitting involved, but they were running some drills uh, with the D lineman and offensive lineman. But it all starts with Xavier Collins. He looks the part. Um, he wears 25, which is interesting for an inside linebacker. Um, and everything they uh, talked about, you know, he, he's, he, I guess the impression I got when we got a chance to talk to him, nothing's given. He's still going to work hard every day, even though he's penciling in to be the starter in week one. We'll elaborate a little bit on that. And then you look at Rondell Moore and a couple of the wide receivers. Um, I thought they stood out. And the Cardinals brought in three tight ends, uh, at least uh, to look at. And I thought, you know, we, we look at a guy, the first two guys um, that I thought, you know, looked the part. And I actually tweeted out earlier today, so I want to make sure I get their names right. Um, but you look at Bruno Lubbell. 6'4", 247 from Cincinnati. He looks smooth in his route running and catchability. And then Kerry Angeline, 6'6", 250 from NC State. He looked uh, looked the part, fluid in and out of his breaks. And then Bernard Sykovitz, 6'5", 262. Of course, he's the player from Australia. He looked raw, but he looks good in a jersey. And it's just a matter of him getting his feet wet. And one of the things, Craig, that I noticed when you start talking about some of these undrafted free agents and tryout guys, like a lot of these guys started like 25, 30 games. You know, they had, they were obviously in school for three or four years. Uh, they were not obviously drafted, but we start looking at some of these corners that came out and wide receivers. They had some injuries, but these guys, I mean, you could tell they weren't highly recruited, but they played a ton of games in college. You can see the difference between, you know, maybe a guy from Cincinnati and NC State compared to a guy coming from Australia. Not a lot of players on the field, just 27, and a lot of that is because of the protocols and COVID-19, but you had your seven draft picks, four undrafted rookie free agents, and mentioned two of them in the tight ends, LaBelle and Angeline, and then, of course, defensive lineman Cam Murray and cornerback Lorenzo Burns, the latter of whom 
played at U of A. And we also saw, because you're looking at the roster before we got out there, but Evan Weaver and A.J. Richardson also participated in the three days. Weaver spent all of last season on the practice squad after he was the sixth-round draft pick at a Cal. And then Richardson saw a little bit of time up and down as far as practice squad active roster, but one of those wide receivers that will be looking to make a name for himself this offseason. And perhaps the one who had the most work out of the entire three days, the only quarterback Cole McDonald out of Hawaii, the only one throwing passes. They had other guys, Mike Bercovici, uh, and some others, but uh, it was McDonald, the lone quarterback out there. And that's what happens when you only have 27. You can't do 11 on 11. There's some seven on seven, but you have to kind of be creative a little bit to get some of that on-field work. And I'm glad that there was on-field work because we didn't have any of that last year. Yeah, uh, Mike Berkovici still can sling it. And then Cam Turner, former college quarterback, now the quarterback's coach, uh, worked closely with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. He can sling it. So, you know, it's disappointing that Chris Strebler couldn't be out there. He's a guy that needs reps. Um, You know, Colt McCoy, obviously, is a seasoned veteran. And, you know, obviously, Kyler Murray wasn't going to be there. So uh, you have some coaches that can that can throw it. But another thing that stood out was um, Xavier Collins. When you are the single caller, you had to make sure guys get lined up and he was leading the huddle and making sure guys were getting lined up. And, you know, I noticed Marcus Wilson and Tate Gowan were moving around a little bit. They had burns on the outside and they're trying to find out what they have. And there was a guy there, number 57. He was a tall drink of water. He stood out. I mean, his arms go to his knees. I don't know if he can rush the passer, but boy, he's got a, his, again, he's a tall drink of water. You have his measurables? I do. You're talking about Jamel Garcia-Williams, one of those players that they added at the end of the regular season. 6'7", 264, and it is odd to see him because, one, he does stand out, and you're like, wait a second, that's an outside linebacker, and you're like, all right, so I've never seen an outside linebacker that tall. Offensive lineman? Yeah. yeah, but not an outside linebacker, even a defensive lineman. But perhaps if you get those long arms up in the air, you can bat some balls down at the line of scrimmage. But yeah, if you want to little, literally talk about who stood out, yeah, Jamel <laughs> stood out. He's the tallest one out there next to Kerry uh, Angeline, who is six foot six, and then Brandon Bowen, one of the offensive linemen. He is six seven. But uh, yeah, on the defensive side, it was Jamel. Well, and the thing is, you know, we'll see the fact that they liked him enough to bring him back. You know, it's a futures contract, I assume. But, you know, there's one thing that if you're an offensive lineman, you really can't get inside of him. He he can make contact. And then, you know, obviously the upper body strength and, you know, these, these guys that have been in the league five, six, seven years, they can kind of figure him out. He can be like a folding chair and he'd fold real quick because he doesn't have the strength. But, you know, it, it was just interesting when he was in the huddle, I'm like, man, uh, they got a guy that could play possibly power forward over here. So, yeah, and, and it was just nice to see Sean Jefferson. I really liked the way he was running his drills, and you commented you hadn't seen those drills, and we've had a ton of wide receivers, coaches. Now Jerry Sullivan, the consultant, letting him, uh, Sean Jefferson, run his group, but Jerry did jump in there because guys were flailing in their arms, and he wants a little bit more uh, concise on your technique coming off the ball and getting off press coverage. But I really like Sean Jefferson, the way he ran his drill. And he actually told Rondell Moore, you're no longer on scholarship. You're not at Purdue anymore. So this is the NFL. And I noticed that, you know, maybe some guys felt like they were in shape, and I'm sure they got better over the weekend. But, you know, a lot of excitement, probably some butterflies, some anxiety, like, 
okay, this is a real camp, and you know how I'm fixated on. That's where you can make mistakes. Hopefully, your same mistake on Friday is not happening on Sunday. Well, if you remember when we had the chance to speak with Jefferson in the offseason after he was hired, he made the mention or the comment that sometimes he'll get involved in these drills to really show as opposed to tell. And he was certainly very active. That drill that you were talking about as I try to paint the picture the best I can, but cones staggered and he had the wide receivers and running backs running in between the cones and getting passes from each side either the east or west of the field and basically that ball was being fired at them before they had completely turned around so he ought to he would scream eyes 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 so always get your hands in front of you and watch that ball as it's traveling and it was fast paced it was very rapid and i liked it and it certainly kept everyone on their toes so i do want to get more into those offensive players maybe a little bit later on this week when we talk about the rookie minicamp but you touched on it the biggest takeaway of the three days and it wasn't anything that happened off the field it was or i should say anything that happened on the field it was off the field and it was kingsbury's two-word answer quote that is when he was asked if it was fair to say the expectation week one against the Titans was that Collins and Isaiah Simmons would be the starting inside linebackers. One, surprised he said it because one, nothing against Cliff, but he hardly ever opens that door to let us in. He's very vague most of the time. So that was a surprise. And then two, this was as definitive as we have heard publicly that yes, the Arizona Cardinals are going to start these two young players at inside linebacker. Did it surprise you, MJ, that we got that on Friday from the head coach? No. And, uh, you know, Ian Rappaport tweets out that he's going to be the starter, and all of a sudden we'll get into what's going to mean for Jordan Hicks. I mean, I think Steve Kine on draft night and then on the second day when they got Rondell Moore and he, when we recapped the draft with him, he made it very clear that these two guys are going to have a vital role. And, you know, uh, you know I'm skeptical I'm, from a standpoint of, I mean, Isaiah Simmons, he struggled. Um, to learn that position. Obviously, you know, he's kind of swimming a little bit, and we know that Kyle Shanahan went after him. Saban Collins played at Tulsa. doesn't mean, you know, guys play at smaller schools or different competition can't do it. And that's why I'm here pounding the table to bring back Devondre Campbell. I think he has some experience, and we'll get into what can happen to Hicks here. But, no, I wasn't surprised. And, and, you know, national media, just like Schrager and Ian Rappaport, they put something out there. I – I got that impression from the first weekend that these guys are going to be plug and play guys. I made that, they made it very clear. And every time Cliff was asked about it, he agreed with Kime. So I wasn't surprised. Yeah, it was after night one of the draft, Kime, when asked about Hicks and how this was going to play out, said, quote, we'll work through it. And then on that Saturday, with respects to Collins and Moore, it was Kingsbury saying, yeah, we've been told. Our day one and day two picks, they need to play. They need to play early. They need to play often. They need to play a lot. And you're like, okay, well, all right. Well, one, why? I mean, what's what? my big thing is, what's the rush? I mean, we're talking about mid-May. You're not playing until September. But then, as you mentioned, there's the report from Ian Rappaport that says the Cardinals have given Jordan Hicks permission to seek a trade. That's because, according to Rappaport, Zayvon Collins is the starting Mike linebacker. Now, we had heard from both 
Keim and Kingsbury that Collins, yes, he is a Mike linebacker. That's the position he's going to play. He's not going to play any other position. But as far as anointing him the starter, I'm a little surprised. In fact, I'm a lot surprised that we have gone that far here in mid-May because, as Collins said, one, no one's told me anything. And then I thought he did a great job as deflecting most of the conversation. He hasn't earned anything. And I've always heard coaches say, you have to earn your spot, regardless of how you got here. And now all of a sudden, it's a complete 180. The Cardinals are saying, oh, that's your job. Now, that's that's a little different for me, and especially at a position that is so important on the defensive side of the ball. Craig, I'm with you. And, and, and the thing is, you know, what's wrong with competition? I guess you're worried about if Jordan Hicks gets hurt, then you're on the hook for the salary. You know, looks like, you know, they had that conversation. Kingsbury didn't want to get into that. I understand that. I'm sure he wasn't happy. Uh, some of the quotes coming out of the week, and the, these are two of the bit prettiest trees. Uh, you know, Jordan Jordan Hicks put his, just like any other player, they, they put their job on the line the last couple of years. And, you know, again, maybe the backup plan is Campbell. I haven't heard any more there, Devondre Campbell. But what's wrong with competition? And uh, they talk about competition in every other position. We know going in, you know, we could pencil in probably the 10 or 11 starters on offense, defense, you're rotating more players. But, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, again, I, I don't think we're going to get a true reading. Uh, I think 25% may not be a true reading. When we get to the uh, the bye week, we're going to see where they are because you're talking about throwing these guys right in the fire. And, and again, I think Isaiah Simmons with the entire offseason, um, three preseason games, I expect him to be a lot better just from a – you know, technical standpoint and stability and confidence and reacting. I don't know if I can make the same claim for Xavier Collins. He hasn't gone through it yet. We don't know what he can or cannot do. We've all seen in college, but we've talked a lot and we've seen that jump from college to the pros. Some guys get it. Others, it takes a little bit longer to get to that point because one, the speed of the game things are happening so much quicker and then on top of that it's the playbook which is twice the size and then you've got the same formation but you can do different things out of that and then adjusting we're talking about inside linebackers now adjust to what the offense is showing you and then do that right before the snap or even when the ball is snapped are you ready for that week one against the titans week two against the vikings two of the best rushing offenses in the league, and now you're putting trust, you're putting your faith in two young players. Nothing against either Collins or Simmons. Heck, I hope that it does work, and you have your defensive core, the heart of the defense, for the next 10 to 15 years. For me, I'm just, again, one, what's the rush, and then two, what happens if, we always talk about a plan B or having depth. You get rid of a Jordan Hicks or he's not around. Now, all of a sudden, you have nothing. Tanner Vallejo is the most experienced guy. Nothing against Tanner, but he's not that experienced guy in that inside linebacker's room. You have experience at every other position group defensively, except for inside linebacker if Hicks is not on this team. Yeah, and again, you know, I look at Evan Weaver. He looked a little bit bigger, but... There was a reason why him and A.J. Richardson were out there. I mean, I, I know there's accrued seasons and practice squad, et cetera. 
Um, but I think Weaver's a guy that, you know, I thought it would be a special teams guy, but I, I don't know where he is in the rotation because they resigned Zeke Turner. Um, and Craig, maybe they're, maybe they're counting on getting that pass rush, okay, and, and being able to stop the run and relying on, you know, the man press coverage where they feel I, I can't, you don't hide inside linebackers in the NFL. You just don't do that. They're part of your, A, one's going to make the calls. B, you got to make sure everyone's lined up. Um, maybe they're relying on, on the pass rush with Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden and, you know, Kennard. And, you know, we'll see if anybody else can step up there. Um, and, you know, Malcolm Butler and Robert Alford and Buda Baker, maybe they're relying on getting better against the run, getting more pressure on the quarterback, and then the back end does their job. But again, you cannot hide inside linebackers in the NFL. Are they asking more from Buddha as far as trying to help set the defense? A Chandler Jones, a J.J. Watt, although it's his first season, although it's familiar with the Vance Joseph defense, but are you asking more from some of those other older guys and not putting as much on the shoulders of Zabin Collins, who, again, if you're the quarterback of the defense and you have that green dot, you're the one making the calls. And it's not just when you're out on the field, but it's, the, it's in the huddle. Can you see a Zayvon Collins saying, pay attention, or yelling at a J.J. Watt, yelling at a Chandler Jones? And when I say yelling, I mean raising your voice to get their attention because you have to be that one and only voice to set up everyone else on the field. Can you do that? I don't know if he can. Maybe he can, and maybe at the end of the day, we'll look back on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and say, boy, were we foolish to doubts or have reservations or hesitations. But I, again, I'll just go back and I'm trying to project and look into the future and I'm concerned based off of everything they've done this off season, as far as adding this experience and the veterans on both sides of the ball, why all of a sudden is it not okay to have that experience and that veteran leadership at inside linebacker? To me, it goes against what the off season had been I know Kime does not like to say we're going all in, the chips are in, and it's always this season and no other season but 2021. But it just kind of, it's a deviation from what they have shown us. Now, we're not a part of the discussions. We're not in the room. We don't know what's been said. So maybe there's another piece to this puzzle that we don't have. Maybe we'll never get. There just seems to be something missing based off what has happened so far in the offseason. I trust uh, Vance Joseph, I really do. I, th I think, you know, uh, they obviously wanted to play that man-to-man -man press, and I trust Vance, so I'm, I'm not second-guessing what they're doing. I'm, I'm just saying, again, if, we, if, we're, if we're talking about Devondre Campbell on the roster, and again, maybe he's not the starter, I think we can kind of calm the waters down. But I, I trust with Vance, and I, I just think, you know, Zach Allen, Jordan Phillips, you throw in J.J. Watt, Leckie, Rashad Lawrence, I mean, Clearly, they feel comfortable with their D-line, considering they only brought one in, in, in the draft and they had two in, in uh, the minicamp. Mini I'll say this, and this to me is, is a telling quote from Kingsbury we got on, maybe it was Friday. Quote, we know there's going to be growing pains. Obviously, two guys who are getting indoctrinated into the league. Isaiah played some last year, but as a full-time starter goes, this will be a first run-in. But they're athletic, athletic enough to make up for some of the experience they don't have. We're excited to grow with them and see what they can become together. So they're gonna rely on their athleticism versus experience. And I'm not doubting that because we know 
when it came to Isaiah Simmons, you know, he, uh, he was, could have been a top five pick. Uh, I think if you're the Lions, you made a mistake with Jeff Okuda. Uh, there was no way Zayvon Collins was going to be drafted eighth overall in this draft. So they're going to rely on their athleticism. And that's the difference between, you know, Navarro, Navarro Bowman and, and uh, Patrick Willis. You got Devont, uh, Devin White, and then you have Volante David. You got a thumper in there and you got a speed guy. So this is a little bit different, but they're going to rely on their athleticism. And if they could just play free, meaning not thinking, even though you got to make the call, more easier said than done. What Kingsbury is saying is we're going to rely on what they can do right away and not worried about the experience and hopefully you know the defense as a whole can cover you're talking about six four six five Kime on draft night said two trees in the middle of the field kingsbury went a little bit further saying two really fast trees and it talked about how pretty they'll look on the field and there's no doubting that and yes they are athletic they are very athletic they're more athletic than a jordan hicks the issue that I have, though, MJ, is you're sacrificing something as far as experience because you can be the most athletic player on that football field. But you know what? You might be just a half step or a full step slower than the guy next to you who is not as athletic but has the experience and knows this league and knows the teams, knows the opposing quarterbacks, knows where he needs to be more than the guy that he's covering. Tyron Matthew, a couple of years ago, now he got it right out of the gate, but he wasn't the most athletic guy, but he knew where to be on the field. And you hear quarterbacks, Kurt Warner would always say, he'd break the huddle, look at the defense, I know exactly where the, I'm throwing the football. Can Zayvon Collins be that guy? And I think that's what you would lose if you don't have a Jordan Hicks. And again, to your point, what's wrong with some competition? Bring Hicks to camp, let them compete. And if Collins is better, then he's better. Hicks already accepted a pay cut, so it wasn't like he wanted outs or, you know, what, I guess that's the question is what changed? He accepted the pay cut, and then all of a sudden Collins gets drafted. Did he ask to be traded? Or I, that, that, I think that's the missing piece to this puzzle here, MJ, that it just it, it doesn't fit all together for me because it just it doesn't make sense that if you have a Jordan Hicks, and someone that is a leader and a mentor to younger players, why wouldn't you want that? Now, maybe Hicks doesn't want to be a part of that. Again, that's the missing piece. If that's true, we don't know. Although I would be a little surprised because that just doesn't seem to be what uh, the Jordan Hicks that I know, and I know very little, but just being around him and listening to him, he doesn't strike me as someone that would say, hey, if it's not my job, I want out. I, I, I just don't get that sense. A lot of players is like, okay, players are drafted every single year, brought in to steal someone's job. Yet, what do you do if you're that person in that job? All right, I'm going to work extra hard. Or you know what? Take that job away from me. Come and earn it, which is what Collins has said, but that's not what we're being told by the general manager and head coach. The writing's on the wall. I, I, if I'm Jordan Hicks, um, they, they've used – two first-round picks in back-to-back -back years to basically replace him. I know they're, one's going to be a Mike and one's going to be, obviously, another inside linebacker. Um, I wouldn't begrudge a guy to say, listen, um, if I'm, I'm not going to ride the pine at this point in my career, I want to go play somewhere else. And then, you know, Philadelphia media, so Zach Hertz is available and you can look at his contract. And, you know, I, I just think if you're Jordan Hicks, he's a prideful man. He, he, he feels like, you know what, I've done a lot here. Um, now, if let's let's 
Bottom line this, though. Yes, he's played a ton of snaps, a ton of snaps, and he's had a ton of tackles. But his grades haven't been up to par. I mean, he's in, in fairness to him, again, when you're making a tackle three, four, five yards down the line of scrimmage, that's on the D-line. Those guys are getting pushed off, and you don't have a legitimate pass rusher versus high-energy guys you had in Marcus Golden versus Chandler Jones. There's a difference. So he feels like there's nothing else I could have done. And we never, you had missed Patrick, missed six games. Alford hasn't been there, and he's a prideful guy. So I got to think he, he feels like he's got something left, and if they don't want him, he probably doesn't want to be here, and that's just me connecting dots. And I totally accept that. And yes, he's done wonders for this defense. But to your point, well, the last two games, the defense as a whole did not look good. And the 49ers game at State Farm Stadium really stands out as far as how well the 49ers were able to rush the football. And there was just seemed like very little resistance. And everyone points to both Hicks and Campbell. Yet it just, you know, again, let's hope that this works out. And what's done is done. It really makes no sense in us, you know, belaboring the point. I just wanted to get my thoughts out there because I know I'm not alone in my thinking, yet this is what it is. And I would just feel a little bit more comfortable, much like I would if there was another veteran in that cornerback's room. Look, why in mid-May does this decision have to be made? And if there was something said behind the scenes, Hicks or the team or whatever, then that's fine. But I'll say this about Jordan Hicks. He came in with a lot of baggage as far as not being on the football field, labeled injury prone. And in two seasons, he has started all 32 games, played 100% of the snaps in 2019, 92% last season. Vance Joseph raved about him year in, or I should say week in and week out as far as being that second coach on the field and helped put a lot of the players in 2019 and an early part of 2020 in their proper position to where maybe maybe he didn't grade out as well because he was worried about making sure everyone else behind him and in front of him were where they needed to be. So look, there's a reason he was named or voted a team captain this past season. It's a very difficult situation in that locker room when you lose someone like that, if that is the case. I hope that there is some agreement or that there is some way to kind of piece this back together because I think the Cardinals are better if Jordan Hicks is on the team and in that linebacker's room. Well, I, I think what happens at the end of the season, Craig, is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's the scouting staff, the personnel department, the general manager to look at it, where we have to get better. And then you go to the coaches and say, you know, give me your wish list, whether it's free agents or uh, the draft. And then, uh, but, that's the general manager's job is to put together the best roster. So I don't think it was, I'm sure Vance would go to bat for him just based on the relationship. And, you know, they kind of were tied at the hip when both, they both came in here. So um, after Wilkes. Um, so I just, I think it's out of the coach's just, uh, hands right now. This is a personnel decision and it's an off season decision. And that's their job is to try to get the roster better. But now Campbell, um, I thought he did a good job on tight ends. You, you've talked about it. You documented it for us compared to the year before. He took a bad angle on that Jeff Wilson run in the in, in, against the Niners. Again, Jordan Hicks um, the year before was trying to cover tight ends, and they gave up 17 or 18. So, again, if you just go strictly by the tape, that's why. And, and Campbell's still out there and surprising. I don't know if he's a guy that's waiting, you know, obviously for training camp. He's a veteran guy. Um, he knows a system, um, but I think he'd be a good mentor. So I just think this is an off-season decision to where they want to get better based on, on the film. 
Um, but at the same time, I, I thought he brought great leadership. Um, and as you pointed out, 32 starts. So that's, and that was the knock in Philadelphia. Could he stay healthy? He stayed healthy here. Uh, but I just think from a pride standpoint, he, in, anywhere he goes, they're always going to be trying to replace you. But if a guy gets goes down in camp and hopefully it's not with the Cardinals, then you know he can come in and plug and play. Uh, but I think he's probably going to be signing one-year deals if he goes somewhere else. And somebody will take a flyer on him. He's, he's well-respected around the league. You pop in the tape from his first year here. It's better than last year's tape. And you got to look at the personnel they had around him and the lack of corners. And I wonder, because I was talking with someone on Friday, that perhaps this conversation is better to have now as opposed to the end of August or early September that maybe less disruption. If you just say, look, this is our plan. This is what we're doing. And if you want to be a part of it, great. If not, then we'll work to get you to where you want to be. We at least owe that to you, Jordan Hicks. And maybe it is better to get this out now as opposed to later. I understand that thinking. I just, for me, I always want to know what plan B is because we can sit here and we talk all the time on paper and on paper in May never materializes come September, October, November, December, and January when the season is underway because things happen, things change and knock on wood, nothing changes with regard to inside linebacker. I just, you know, I, I want to see how this plays out. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very, I'm very hesitant. I'm very cautious. I, I, I just don't know what to expect. And, and maybe that's, you know, not being able to foresee into the future and my hesitation to kind of be on board with this move, especially not being in the room. Now, if they want to show us what's going on, maybe on the next edition of Cardinals Flight Plan, which by the way, Bird Gang will debut on Sunday, May 23rd. You can watch all Cardinals Flight Plan episodes on the Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash AZ Cardinals. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If we get that at some point this off season, MJ, one, kudos to everyone involved for making that public, but two, we would get some answers. I don't think that's going to happen, but we can always dare to dream here. No, and I'm going to go Ozzie Newsom on you. They don't play till September, Craig. True. Now, give me, let me give you another hypothetical. So Jordan, Jordan Hicks is in camp, and he's getting reps, but now we get to the preseason game, he's not playing. Well, because they don't want him to get hurt. So, I mean, there's just – and he would never be the guy that's, you know, going to half-ass it, so to speak. I mean, he's that's not that's not his DNA. And I would never say he's a distraction. But it's a guy that's every time that number one defense goes on the field, whether it's training camp, practice, games, he was out there. I just think it would be different for him to take that role. And it's not like he's 35 hanging on. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30. So – Again, I, like I said, I, I'm not, I have no problem with competition, but it, it, it appears to me that they've made a decision now based on their draft, two draft picks in the first and second round that these guys are going to play right away where, you know, we could sit here and talk competition, but that, they're the ones making these decisions. And you know who it's on now? It's on the coaches to coach these guys up to get them ready. And it's on the players to try to figure it out on the fly. But now the onus is on the coaches. Your job is to get these guys ready. 
Yeah, that term slow play, which we used a lot last season to talk about Isaiah <laughs> Simmons because you had Devondre Campbell in the fold, no longer applies here in 2021. You're <laughs> going to be drinking out of a fire hose, if you will, if you're Zayvon Collins to make sure you're ready week one against the Titans in the home opener week two against the Vikings. By the way, speaking of the 2021 regular season, season and single game tickets are on sale right now. azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com dot com slash g-a-m-e-t-i-x all right so we've had our opinions we've expressed our viewpoint on all of this but to your point mj the decision has been made at least based of what kingsbury has said we'll see what the future holds for jordan hicks moving forward but moving forward with collins and simmons as your two inside linebackers the whole two trees in the middle of the field, two really fast trees in the middle of the field. I am intrigued. I'll say I hope it works. I hope I'm proven wrong and my hesitations were all for naught. But if you look at the athleticism and you hope that Simmons in year two has understood what is expected of him and what to expect in this game. We've all heard about the football IQ of Collins and the fact that he was valedictorian of his high school class and really was the anchor of that defense at Tulsa. So you've got two players now that you can use a number of different ways as far as attacking the run, attacking the quarterback, or in coverage at times. And I am intrigued what you can do based off what we've seen previously with the Seahawks, most recently with the Buccaneers, as far as inside linebackers, really kind of controlling opposing offenses. And that that does excite me. I'm glad you mentioned KJ Wright, who's, who happens to be a free agent. He sounds like he's not going to give the Seahawks a, a you know, discount. And then Bobby Wagner, I mean, you just look in our own backyard here. And I mentioned Willis and Navarro Bowman. Um, it's been going on for a long time. And again, I, I think they're going to rely on that. And, you know, J.J. Watt getting to the quarterback, tackles for losses, going to face some uh, not as many double teams, what, 36% last year because they had no one around him. You know, move Chandler Jones around a little bit. Again, I'm just going to have to let – I got to trust the coaching staff and, and, you know, the fact that they do have enough returning starters where there shouldn't be a, a complete overall. Yes, you're going to have a new corner in Malcolm Butler – We'll see about Marcus, um, Marco Wilson and then Tay Gowan. Uh, we'll see about the safeties. I like Wiggins. I do like, um, you know, some of the depth after Buddha and the uh, Thompson twins. So, again, uh, linebackers, uh, it's a big spot, and it's a, there's going to be a lot on their shoulders to make those calls. But I like I follow Isaiah Simmons, and I could tell he's motivated uh, to what, what he, you know, he, he got a sniff of it. Obviously, we go back to the Seattle game, and then the fact that he his only sack came against Russell Wilson, which is impressive uh, just on paper. Russell Wilson's been in Houdini for, since he's been in the league. So um, I just think we got to be patient. And I know people are going to want to hear that when you're trying to win football games and there's 17 games this year. I mean, uh, development should be pro practice squad guys. But – you know, I always say September, and we're probably going to have to wait till November, uh, 50% of the season until they go into the bye week to do a true evaluation, and maybe somebody else steps up. We don't know that. Well, I'll go back to what Kime said when we were trying to figure out, you know, comparisons and not based off what to expect, but based off what you were coming out of college as far as measurables and background. But he brought up Bill's inside linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. I've heard Lorenzo Alexander, former Cardinals linebacker on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, bring up Edmonds 
repeatedly. One, he was in Buffalo at the time at Edmonds, the 16th overall pick in 2018. Collins, the 16th overall pick in 2021. Similar size, 6'5", 250 is what Edmonds is listed as. And that first season, he started week one. He was that Mike linebacker, played 100% of the snaps. It's worked for him. He's been a pro bowler two of the first three seasons of his career. So that would be the example, and that would be the comparison, the hope, the belief that the Cardinals have in Collins that they have found Tremaine Edmonds, someone who can come in out of the gates and be that quarterback of the defense because it's not like this is something brand new. There's at least someone out there that they can point to and say, this is who we want you to be Zavin and here is someone that came in and yeah it's it's a lot to ask of any young player regardless of position let alone maybe one of the more important positions on the defensive side when you're getting the calls from Vance Joseph or someone and now all of a sudden you've got to relay it to 10 of your teammates and then react on the fly at times depending on what the offense substitutes or how they break the huddle and show what their formation is going to be so if you're looking for you know a reason to be optimistic that this can work i'll point to the buffalo bills um i think you also got to talk about what they had on the, on the d line there you know i, I want to say i don't know if marcel darius was there but they had a guy named kyle williams and he was a tough sob he didn't, and then you had lorenzo alexander so you talk about experience and, and, and lorenzo's more of an outside guy but we know whether you play a three four or four three you still put five guys at the line of scrimmage so he i'm sure he leaned on lorenzo alexander why wouldn't you but they did have some big defensive tackles. And they also had Jordan Phillips as well. That's right. And that one season in 2019 where he really exploded, and that right. was year two for Edmonds as the Mike linebacker. So you're right. And maybe that's the hope here with the Cardinals. You've got J.J. Watt and Phillips as your defensive lineman. you got Chandler Jones coming back healthy. Buda Baker on the back end. Maybe someone steps up. Maybe Robert Alford is healthy. Malcolm Butler, we know what he can do. So to your point, maybe, yes, the spotlight's going to be on Collins, and yes, he'll be the one kind of directing the traffic, but it's not like Baker, Butler, Jones, Watt, Phillips don't know what their assignments are and what they're supposed to do every time the ball is snapped. And they also had Buffalo had Jordavius White. I mean, he was a shutdown corner, you know, and then you look at uh, some of their guys in their secondary, even though we didn't get a chance to see uh, Josh Norman. They had a couple guys on IR or COVID. But Buffalo, that defense, I think they take down the personality of their head coach. And Leslie Frazier, he should be getting head coaching opportunities. And Sean McDermott, you know, He's still really involved, and Brian Dable's really the the offensive coordinator slash head coach on on offense. So they they've done a good job. Uh, Brandon Beam has done a really good job drafting this year. They took two defensive linemen because they had interest in JJ Watt. Um, but I think that Bills team is 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 one of the better teams in the league, and they've done a good job drafting players and coached them up, and they've developed them really well. And Edmonds is a prime example. And we've also heard Bertram Berry, our colleague on the Red Sea Report, talk about how much that transition because Collins played the mic in college. And yes, there's a huge learning curve, yet it just might not be as steep because it's a position that he's played. And again, this is nothing against Zayvon Collins. We're still trying to get to know him. It's just the hesitation and the reservation about you know throwing so much on a rookie why not have him earn it? But again, that's going back to our early talk here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I'll say this about Collins, and I think, MJ, it's worth repeating because I would say maybe, what, 
a half a dozen different times when we had the chance to talk with Collins after Kingsbury spoke. We tried to get him, different media members tried to get him to talk about being the starter and what it's going to be like this offseason, knowing you're the guy. And he did not want any part of that. One, he hasn't been told, at least that's what he said, and probably true to some extent. And then mentioned that quote that you gave, nothing's given. You got to earn everything. So that's what I'm trying to do. Later said, quote, you got to go in every day like you're trying to earn your spot. And for me, I don't know where my spot is right now. So I got to earn it. He's got the perfect mindset. And I hope he maintains that all the way through this offseason because he does have three months to earn that spot, even though right now we all think that at least on paper, it's a spot that we can pencil in Zayvon Collins as your Mike linebacker. But I like his attitude going into this, and it's almost like he's kind of caught into the middle of all of this, and it's no fault of his own or no indictment of his. It's just like we want this team to be successful. And, you know, let's, again, I'll admit later on in September and October, I'll point to this show here in mid-May and say I was completely off base. I'm completely wrong. I got no problem admitting my mistakes. I'm just voicing an opinion here. I'll be the first to stand up and applaud everyone and say, yeah, the correct decision was made. But now we're, you know, trying to, you know, predict the future here. And that's kind of where I'm falling as we go back is just making sure that everyone and all bases are covered here. And right now I do think there's a little bit, um, some, some stuff that's, that's not quite all the way covered. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it. I mean, the fact that, you know, he was asked, have you talked to Jordan Hicks? And he said no. Um, now, if if he was drafted in the fourth round, I'm sure Jordan Hicks would have welcomed him to the team. And um, again, I, I like Jordan Hicks. Great. He's a professional, pro's pro. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I think they have a plan. We're just going to have to wait and see, um, you know, bringing Devondre Campbell back to me. I don't. He's not the savior. And again, um, he took some bad angles on a couple run plays last year where it cost his defense. It should have been a five-yard gain and became a 60-yard gain. So it's not like he's a savior, but he's got experience. He's not afraid to put his uh, his face in the fan there. So uh, i got to think they got a plan. And, you know, when, when I look at the, um, you know, Malcolm Butler, I mean, I, I think he's got more upside than Patrick Peterson. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But one guy that I want to talk about real quick is from the rookie class was number 92. Victor, Victor, Victor D. McKagey. He looks good in that uniform. The calves. I mean, the guy looks really good as Rondell Moore. He's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but he's cut. But he's representing Bertram Berry. I don't want to mention Baron Tanner because he didn't have the great body. But, man, he fills up that uniform. I, I mean, uh, Derek Spencer, who does a great job with our photos, I tweeted out a picture of him today. Just look at him. I mean, he... I'm excited about this guy, and, you know, we're, I don't know how much they're counting on him, but the fact that he can rush the passer, that's another body, nothing against Kennard. Uh, I like I like the rotation until Gardick gets back, but uh, Victor, man, he looked the part, man. I'll tell you, he, he looked good in that uniform. 6'2", 262, yeah, wearing Bertrand Berry's number 92. And speaking of numbers, number 32, Tay Gowan, the Cardinals' new cornerback, and he is very big on social media and is not shy about it. He <laughs> tweets a lot, but something interesting over the weekend, he tweeted a picture of himself in uniform 
from over the weekend wrote, quote, number 32, enough said, exclamation point. Well, out of all the players to respond to that tweet, Tyron Matthew responded with a handful of fire emojis to which Gowan responded to that, quote, I will not let you down, fingers crossed emoji. So you talk about living up to the legacy of numbers, and Gowan understood that when number 32 was assigned to him, going back first to Buda Baker and then previously Tyron Matthew. So yeah, numbers do matter in this game, not just stats, but what you wear on the front of your, of your uniform and certainly on the back. And I do like what Gowan had to say that, look, there are some lofty expectations that he has of himself. I don't know what the expectations are for the fan base, considering when you're a day three selection, usually the expectations aren't nearly as high, but he is certainly going to try to make a mark for himself and earn one of those spots in that cornerback's room because there are spots to be earned at the cornerback. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, four and five is wide open. Wouldn't surprise us if they try to get a couple of veteran guys in here. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I think he was asked, why did you pick 32? And he said, 32 chose me. And, uh, you know, I, I have no problem with the social media, but at some point, you know, you got to focus. Uh, I know he's trying to, you know, he's excited. Um, he wants to be a fan favorite. He wants to do all the right things. But, you, you know, we're going to judge him what he does on the field. So maybe – I get it. He's, 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 he's new and he's excited and it's a new opportunity. It's a dream come true. Um, but, you know, sometimes we don't need to see all those posts and, and, and he'll learn that. But I, I'm not going to begrudge the guy because I know you could just see how excited he is. But he's not backing down from wearing number 32, which is impressive to me. And looking at him during position drills, working with Coach Greg Williams, I mean, he does stand out. He's six foot one and looks every bit the part of it now. He was standing next to shorter cornerbacks, but Marco Wilson is listed at six feet. And we've been told that he can play both inside and outside. That's at least they're going to try to work him in both positions. But Tay Gowan is an outside cornerback because I think they like his size and his physicality. But there is something to be said when you do have that height as a cornerback and you can jump which both Gowan and Wilson can. They've shown at their pro days because you need to be able to stand across the receiver in front of you. And there are more and more wide receivers, MJ, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". I mean, you know, converted tight ends to wide receivers. It, you know, it's, it's becoming a much bigger position, that wide receiver spot, especially on the outside and corners. You've got to be able to match that. And that's what we saw out of this year's draft class at the cornerback position, much taller corners than we've seen in previous years i've never seen it like this craig and maybe it's a case where these guys used to be wide receivers and you know if you can't catch then you go to the other side of the ball and you become a i've never seen six foot one you know 210 uh, arms down to their knees i mean usually you play offense and we're starting to see slot corners now that are six feet one so what are you saying when he was standing next to Lorenzo Burns? Uh, he was a little bit taller because Burns is probably about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Good thing Chase Whitaker wasn't out there because <laughs> he would have looked like he was, um, you know, hanging out with other oh, two U of A guys. And so anyways, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just excited to see what these guys can do. And again, I can't emphasize it enough. This is just watching them on the field and then you see videos and pictures and the fact that the coaches were finally out there where they won't be able to be out there for the next uh, phase of phase two we get to phase three that's when we get to the nitty-gritty otas mandatory minicamp but 
I thought it was a good start and first impressions. And again, uh, I liked a lot of things I saw. There was only 25 to 30 minutes, but you know how, you know, in training camp, I try to look at a position every day and then evaluate things. And, and here I didn't have enough time, but the fact that we're only, what do you say? 27, yeah, 27 players. players. Yeah. And a couple were on the other side, but I was focusing on really all the draft class and then some of the undrafted frames and then, you know, the corners, the safeties, obviously, you know, when they, they, they were doing more seven on seven, more like just make sure you're lined up and they would use garbage cans as defensive linemen, just to kind of know if a guy goes in motion, you're supposed to pick him up. So uh, I thought it was well organized and you could tell the staff has been together besides Sean Jefferson. Second question to Kingsbury about rookie minicamp, just about having players in the building on the field. Quote, as a staff, we're just thrilled, end <laughs> quote. And then he went on to talk about a little bit more, but the fact that they did not have, or anyone, no one had this a year ago. And now all of a sudden it's no longer, yes, there's still Zoom meetings, but there's there, there's some there's some visual and then there's some literally get your hands dirty, so to speak, to be able to move guys around and really show as opposed to tell, because, you know, I don't know about you, MJ, but I'm a big, you know, I can learn visually, but I need to go out and do it. You know, you can tell me what to do, but I also need to be able to do it myself to really get the hang of something. Yeah, you know, Cliff, he's he, he's a ball coach. And what a ball coach is, he, you know, we used to, when we were in the building and you know, I've been back there a couple of days a week, but, I, you know, he's on a different uh, level than we are. But he's a, he just, he's a junkie when it comes to watching film. And he's got, his, he's got his new straw hat out there. And you could just see he's excited. I, I think we all know if this team's going to make a jump this year, it's going to come down to Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think Cliff realizes that. I don't know if there's a certain amount of games because if you have injuries and you, you got to evaluate what happened during the season. But I think he's much more comfortable in his skin. Um, you know, he's never really going to wow you in a press conference, but we are getting a little bit longer answers depending on the questions. If he doesn't really want to talk about something like the conversation with Jordan Hick, then he wants to keep that private, which I respect because he is a player's coach. But um, like I said, I like the staff, and now it's a matter of these guys being coached up because, you know, that's what coaching is teaching, and uh, that's where it all starts. You, you can have the most talent in the world, but if you can't be coached up and you're not going to you're gonna freelance, you're not going to make it in this league. Yeah, you fast forward to September, and we'll actually get the chance to see all of this put together, and you two, Bird Gang, as well. Season and single game tickets, again, azcardinals.com slash game ticks, azcardinals.com slash G-A-M-E. T-I-X. Much more on the Cardinals three-day rookie minicamp a little bit later on, our next show, our next episode. But how about we leave this conversation on that note as far as talking a lot about the defense, specifically about Zayvon Collins. Not only is he a Mike linebacker, but he is the starting Mike linebacker. He'll line up next to Isaiah Simmons. On that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.